Good morning, church. Man, welcome. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we are so excited. You made a decision to be with us today to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Isn't it a glorious gift of God that we have hope in Jesus Christ? I mean, that's the best present we could ever hope for in our entire life, and it's been given to you and to me. Because of his love, we have an incredible Savior who wants to do so much for you in your life, who wants to offer you so much in your life. Indeed, we have a life in him, and it's life in the abundant that we've been promised. We're starting a brand new series today, as Luke mentioned, called The Thrill of Hope. And this holiday season, over the next four weeks, we're going to examine Scripture in uh, retrospect of the year that we have had, and it's been definitely not the best year that any of us uh, had hoped for on the horizon. I mean, how many of you are excited that 2020 is almost over? Yeah, first service, they clapped. I I don't know. They they were excited about moving on, but uh, I know that God has great and mighty things in store for you in your life in the weeks and months to come. Uh, He continues to let his light shine through you. We continue to hear stories of how we are leaning on one another, helping each other out, uh, lifting each other up on the journey, and just being together, whether we're physically in the same space or not, we know that we are the family of God who celebrates Jesus Christ every single day of the year. Now, as we dig into this series, I know that you're going to resonate with many of the things that we're going to unpack in Scripture, but every single Sunday this month, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. And so if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and turn with me there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 will be there in just a few moments. But then go ahead and find Psalm 84, because that's where we're going to end up with most of the day today in Psalm 84. Because as we reflect on the year behind us, I mean, it's been quite a a valley. And as we talk about the thrill of hope, today we're going to talk about having hope when we're in the valley. And then we'll be talking about storms uh, this month. We'll be talking about wilderness this month. But ultimately, that Jesus Christ is always with us, no matter what's going on in our life. And so the writer in Matthew, Matthew says in verse 23, he's quoting the prophet, and he says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means literally, God is with us. That Hebrew word, Emmanuel, literally reminds us that Jesus' very name tells us that he's never going to leave us, that he's always with us no matter what is going on in our life, that we can, we can have faith that he's journeying with us no matter what chaos is going around us, what, no matter what mountaintop experience is going on around us. And so I know that you've had mountaintop experiences in your life before where it was quite evident that, that Christ was right there with you, that God was present in the moment. Maybe it was the first time you brought your firstborn home from the hospital, and it was an exciting time to hold that little one in your arms, and, and you just relished the idea that, that with the help of God, you created another human being. And then a week later, There was stink coming from the diaper, but you loved him anyway. It didn't matter. It was a joyous moment. 
That there was that time when, when you finally got to tell mom and dad, hey, I landed my first job after college. I'm going to get a real paycheck. I've got some benefits. I'm off the payroll. And, and it was a great time to celebrate your independence and moving forward in the thing we call uh, adulting. Maybe that mountaintop experience was when you visited that doctor's office and you sat across the desk and he said, you are now cancer free. You celebrated that. It was a, a moment when you knew God was with you. We've all had those kind of mountaintop experiences. But I know that you've had some valley experiences in your life too. That, that moment when the doctor let you know that you just weren't going to be able to have children. Or when you did sit in that doctor's office and he, he let you know that the cancer had returned. That, that moment when you went to work, but only to discover that you had been furloughed, laid off, collect your things, we'll let you know if we need you back. And then the worry that comes with that about paying the rent or putting food on the table for your family. Those broken relationships that have happened along the way that you thought would be tight forever, but it just didn't turn out that way. And you and I have had those valley moments where it's difficult to feel the presence of God in your life. My guess is you've probably had one or two that really stood out for you. Uh, for me, it was when I was 16, was that first valley moment for me that I can really put my head uh, into the story and my hands around and understand. I was 16 years old, and my dad's father, my grandfather, had passed away. He was a preacher as well. His name was Wyatt. Uh, we have a lot of the same characteristics. He was a, a pretty funny guy and a lot of fun to be around. But I remember he... He passed away of a massive heart attack late December, right around Christmas and my grandmother's birthday. And I remember as a 16-year-old being asked to be a pallbearer, and it had just stormed in Tennessee, and there was ice and snow everywhere. It was absolutely frigid. And I remember taking his casket, walking out the church building, putting it in the car, getting to the cemetery, and enduring that cold, cold day. It was a valley moment for us and our family. You've had those moments too. And in those moments, you end up asking the question, where is God in my valley? Where, where did he go? I understand the mountaintop, but I need you now, God. We ask that question, and what we realize as we read the narrative of God's Word over and over again, what we find out is that, that battles happen in the valley. Not always, not 100% of the time, but most of the time, battles happen in the valley. It's in those moments that we discover God is present, and it's in His strength that we end up winning the day. Not my strength, but God's strength is what brings us through the moment. We find that in Scripture over and over, especially in the Old Testament. And maybe right now, you are battling in a valley. Maybe, maybe right now, you're hoping God's strength will get you through. Maybe right now, you're struggling with a, cl a cloud of depression that kind of hangs over you because of the year that we've had. Maybe right now you are feeling lonely and disconnected. Maybe right now your, your battle is simply looking for income and a job to take care of your family. I don't know where your particular valley really is, but I do know this. Is that we may enjoy God on the mountaintop experiences, but we get to intimately know God in the valley. 
that's where he truly resonates with us because we're not alone as we journey. So the psalmist has some important things to say to us. We're only going to look at three verses out of Psalm 84, and I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. The text will be on the screen as well as we read verses 5, 6, and 7. The psalmist says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. Now, in the original Hebrew text there, the word weeping is actually the word baka. Say that with me. Baka. Let's try it one more time. Baka. They now know a Hebrew word. Good, good for you. Check that off the list. The Valley of Baca. What is the Valley of Baca? Well, translated here in, in our version I'm reading this morning is weeping, but it could mean loss. It could mean um, tears. It's this idea that those that are on pilgrimage to the high city of Jerusalem are going to have to go through the Valley of Baca. In order to get to God, they're going to have to experience some loss. And in ancient times, as you traveled on pilgrimage to literally the, the city of Jerusalem, which sits on top of a mountain, they sing these song, psalms of ascent as they rise up through the valley to get to the city of David. They sing these psalms of ascent. But they have to go through the valley in order to get to the city of David. And I'm reminded in ancient times, as folks traveled through those valleys, they always encountered thorns, wild animals, maybe robbers on the way. Maybe it was arid and there was no water to be had. But it really speaks to this idea of the anguish of those who are on pilgrimage to get to a better place. Verse 5 tells us what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Now, my guess is that there may be some here today watching us online who are not believers. Maybe you've not fully embraced the idea of Jesus Christ and the life that He can give you. And I want you to know that Cross Point is a place where you can feel safe. Cross Point is a place full of grace and mercy, and together we journey together to discover who Jesus Christ is in our life and how we can have the life in Him that only He can supply. How we can have faith, hope for a better tomorrow in Christ Jesus. But whether you're a believer or not, my guess is you've also said, I've had just about enough. Raise your hand if you've ever said that to your kids. I mean, to, in general. <laughs> I've had it right up to here. And the sad thing is, is if you don't have a faith in Jesus Christ, if you don't find intimacy in God himself, during your valley, the only strength that you have is what you have within you. If you are a believer, if you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord, then church, you have supernatural strength to get through your valley. It's in Jesus Christ that we'll find that strength, that hope, that help as we move through the things that come in and out of our life each and every day, we believe that we have access to incredible strength. That's why the text says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. 
Now, I know that getting in shape is hard. And if you're anything like me, we've put on the COVID-19, and I'm not talking about the virus. We've had a year. And many of us are going to pledge next year to get in shape, to eat better, to get out and run a little bit, to, to work out. But that doesn't come easy. You need people around you to help encourage you to move in that direction. You need someone speaking into your ear that you can accomplish this. When I was a senior in high school, I played high school football and I was on the track team as well. Worked out hard in the weight room. I weighed about 140 pounds uh, and was doing pretty well in the weight room, I thought. Uh, and then I also had the school record for the number of push-ups uh, that anyone could do. We, we used a push-up bar, which meant the pectoral muscles had to go below your hands. But I didn't do that on my own. My friend group was around me saying, one more. You can do one more. Push through. I know it's painful, but you've got this. And we've got to remember in each and every one of our lives as we travel through our valleys that Jesus Christ is walking right beside us saying, in me, you've got this. You can do this. Just one more. And God walks with us in our valley. We have access to incredible power. But we live in a country that has idolized individualism. I'm as guilty as that it's the next person. The text doesn't say, oh, the joy for those who can pull themselves up with their own bootstraps. Oh, oh, the joys for those who can go it alone. Oh, the joys for those who don't need anybody, just me, myself, and I. The text doesn't say that. Church, we're created to be dependent upon an absolutely incredible God. And we're created to be dependent on one another, too, as we journey in this life. Verse 5 reminds us that we are indeed on a pilgrimage. We are pilgrims passing through this land. The Israelites would be on their journey to the city of David. And they understood in order to get to the refuge of the city, they had to pass through the valley in order to get to something better. And sometimes to get to the place where God wants us to be, we've got to push through some pain in order to get to the goodness of God. Verse 5 tells us how to do that as well. The verse says, to set our minds. Church, what you think about truly matters. What you dwell on truly matters. And the Apostle Paul knew this just as well as anyone as he writes to the church in Colossae in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The text says, Paul calls us to, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. What you think about matters. He also writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What you think about matters. 
And so while you're in the valley focusing on the idea that God has not left you, he's not forgotten you, his son Jesus Christ walks with you, indeed is carrying you through that valley, don't ever forget the incredible God that we have that journeys with us while we're in the valley. Confessionally, there are moments, and I have a lot of them, where I wake up at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, and it's difficult for me to go back to sleep because I know your story. I know what you're struggling with. I'm worried about staff relations and the growth of the church and what's going on in your life. But I have to remember, I'm not called to fix any of that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I remember that God is walking with each and every one of us, no matter the valley that we find ourselves in. Our mind needs to be set on God. Your heart might be racing, but your mind is set on God. Your emotions may be many, but your heart is set on God. Your soul may be aching, but your heart is set on God. And right now you may be thinking, here's the holiday season, and with COVID out and about, how is holiday travel going to work out? Are people coming to my house? Am I going to travel to someone else's house? How am I going to pay for the things that I want to give my kids this holiday season? Or maybe every single holiday season, you have to experience a family tragedy and go through that again every single holiday. And what I want to remind you of, church, is what God is reminding us of each and every day. God is for you. God is for you. I mean, greater is he that is in me than is in the world. My God is going before me to prepare a place for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Church, I'm more than a conqueror. And we have that guarantee in Christ Jesus. Even in our valley, our mind is to be set on the kingdom of God. Verse 6 reminds us that we're, we're just passing through. We're pilgrims. It's a word that we don't use much today in our postmodern culture. But we are just passing through. And here's the beauty of that particular idea. We may be going through the valley church, but it is not our destination. Our destination is the city of God and all that comes with being a part of his family. That very popular psalm, Psalm 23, reminds us, when I walk through the valley, I will not fear because God is with me. I'm just passing through. I may be in a dark place. I may find myself lonely. I may be financially strapped. I may be upset about relationships that aren't working out in my life. I may be fighting through depression, but I'm just passing through, church, because God is my strength. No matter what we've endured, God has never left us. Many years ago at the first church I worked at as a youth minister, I brought the youth group down here to go to Six Flags. And we had a lot of fun together, of course, and uh, I'm not really a roller coaster kind of guy, but the youth group wanted to get on the Mr. Freeze. Anybody ever ridden the Mr. Freeze in here? Several hands go up. Unabashedly, I like that. Several in the back were like, yes, I've done that. I've accomplished. 
So we stood in line, and I'm not one for, for roller coasters, or really the loop-to-loop stuff. It kind of makes my stomach upset. And so I told the, the youth group I wouldn't be with them on that, but I'd walk with them through the line, and they convinced me to stay with them. And we finally got to the part where we got on the cars, and they said, look, I think this is going to be pretty straightforward. I think you can do this. They've been encouraging me the entire time. And so I finally sat down in the seat. There was a girl named Bronwyn sitting beside me. They put down the harness and it clicked in. And Bronwyn looks at me and she says, I do think there are two loops. And I said, get me out. And about the time I said the word out, we shot out of there about 60 miles an hour. And I guarantee I was crying the entire time. I'm pretty sure. But you know, in your valley, you may be right now screaming at God, get me out. You may be asking him to relieve you of whatever is going on in your life. But God may be showing you right now that the way out is through the valley. It's not our destination. But we might have to walk through this with God by our side. And in verse 6, we're reminded that that it becomes a refreshing spring. And whenever you're in a dry place, you kind of make provision to collect water. I don't know how many of you like those kind of survivor shows, Bear Grylls or Survivor Man. And I, I love those two shows in particular because almost every single scenario they're in, they show you how to collect water when maybe there isn't any water really uh, around. And so we make space and provision for what God is going to give us, the relief he is going to give us. It's almost like God is saying, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. You show me your faith and I'll show you that I've never left you. You prepare for me and I will show up. There's a great example of this in the New Testament. Jesus does many miracles, as you know, throughout the Gospels. But there's one in particular where he comes across a guy who's paralyzed on one side of his body. He's got a withered hand, withered arm that he's not used in many, many years. And we know, based upon the storyline, that as we watch Jesus do miracles, he can speak things into existence. Go on home, your servant is healed. Jesus never went to the house. He never touched the servant. The servant was healed. We know that he can simply say this, but now he stands in front of a man who's heard about Jesus, who has a withered hand, hasn't used it in years. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. To which the man who hasn't used his hand in years stretches it out. Jesus says, you show me you have faith in me, stretch out your hand, and I'll show you the limitless power that I have to restore your life. You prepare it, and God will fill it. He says, you seek me, and you will find me. And I guarantee there's someone here today, or maybe watching online, who needs to hear and needs to know that God is walking with you in your story. And he says, it's time to dig a well. It's time to prepare for what I'm going to do in your life. Some of us just simply need to slow down. I mean, God rarely presents himself to hurried people. Maybe that's why in Psalm he says, be still and know that I am God. For some of you, it's time to prepare and wait and interact with God in your particular valley. 
That's what happened to me over 30 years ago in my own valley, my own wilderness. I was making my own game plan, my own agenda. I was doing things the way I wanted to do it until one day I finally woke up and realized the way I'm doing it is not working out. I finally took time to open space for God to speak to me in my own life, and He saved me and helped me move out of the valley that I was in. Look, God never promised that you would never have a valley. He simply promised you'll never be alone when you're in your valley. He'll always walk and be with you. And verse 7 reminds us that we will continue to grow stronger. One particular version of the Bible says it will be strength within strength that you will possess when you put your faith in the Lord. And I got a visual for that as I read that particular verse. In 2001, I took a youth group on a mission trip to the country of Croatia, which is on the Adriatic Sea right beside Italy. And we had a day off and we went to one of the national parks there called Levitsky Lakes National Park. It's not a man-made location. It's all the handiwork of God, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Look it up when you get home, not right now during the sermon, when you get home. But it's 16 lakes that feed into each other with waterfalls. There's a lake with a waterfall feeding into the next lake, which feeds into the next lake which feeds into the next lake. As I read that idea that when you believe and have faith in God, it's like strength within strength. God's strength alone, one one lake of God's strength would be more than enough. But the psalmist says it's more than that. You have the strength of God in the strength of God in the strength of God in the strength of God. Church, nothing can defeat you when you believe in Jesus Christ. You can conquer anything. And in the valley, it's not by my own strength, but it's in the strength of God that I'm able to conquer. We enjoy God on the mountaintop, but we get to know him in the valley. His strength, his character. We're just passing through. It's not our destination. We're moving on to bigger and better things. So when you feel weak, know that Jesus Christ is your strength. When you feel the darkness closing in around you, know that he is your light. When you feel trouble in your life, know that he's the joy that's going to bring that joy back into your life. When you feel pain in your life and loss, know that he is going to be your comforter. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And because of that, We ultimately have more strength than we could ever hope for in our life. So this holiday season, whatever valley you might be experiencing right now, know that God is walking with you. He knows you by name. He knows your story. He knows what you're experiencing, and he's reminding you that he's not leaving your side. It's his right hand that will hold you up. He is the one that's going to give you the peace and the joy that you long for in your life. We cannot do it on our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord, we will survive. It's the thrill of hope that we have in an almighty Savior that the world celebrates this time of year to say, God loved us enough to send his son 
to set an example and remind us that we have not been forgotten. May you this holiday season fully embrace everything that God wants you to be in his son, Jesus Christ. And as we sing this next song, maybe there's, there's prayers on your hearts, there are things you're working through, and our shepherds are ready to pray with you and for you. If you need that prayer right now at this time, when we sing, you can go through this door. There, some guys are in the youth room, and some of them are back here through this door in our conference room. But maybe today's the day you say yes to Jesus Christ to publicly proclaim him as Lord of your life, be baptized into his name, raised up out of that water, a brand new creation full of the Holy Spirit, ready to march through that valley that you find yourself in right now, not in your own power, but the power of an almighty God. He will bless you in more ways than you possibly could know. He's ready to give you life and life in the abundant. So let's stand now as the family of God and bless his holy name.